Welcome to the 414th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with author Michael Evans, author of the series Control Freaks and the World Gone Mad series. And Michael is also the host of the Young Eager Writers Podcast. Stay tuned for the interview. The Reading and Writing Podcast is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 185,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but you'll be part of a different story one that supports your local community and your local bookstore. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. You can listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. Here's your special offer from the Reading and Writing Podcast. Get two audiobooks for the price of one today with your first month of membership with the code RWPODCAST at checkout. This offer is only valid for new members in Canada and the U.S., Check out Libro.fm today. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Michael Evans. While only 18 years old, Michael is the author of many science fiction thriller novels, and he's the host of the Young Eager Writers Podcast. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me here. Really excited to be here. Sure. If someone listening hasn't heard about your new novel, Trouble World, yet, how would you describe the novel? Yeah, it's, uh, I'd first say it's the third novel in my World Gone Mad series. So without diving too much into the third novel, because the plot of that one might not make sense without reading the, the first book. But the first book in that series, which uh, is also relatively new, this is my newest series, is a post-apocalyptic thriller novel, basically about a man who struggles with a gambling addiction and he, after getting to a bunch of debt, has decides to basically betray his country to sell the super powerful technology. And he figures out pretty quickly that the people he sold it to don't exactly have uh, the world's best interests in mind. And uh, they eventually use that technology to destroy the world. So then the story is his family and him, they have to reconcile with his past and his addiction, but also they have to move on and try and survive in this post-apocalyptic world. It's set in Washington, D.C. And the whole series follows that first premise. The apocalypse happens in chapter one of book one, and the rest of the series is really just the characters still coming to terms with it because it's a world gone mad. So a lot of stuff goes wrong for the characters and they have to fight some pretty insurmountable odds in order to try and bring the world back together. Won't spoil anything, but that's the premise. Sure. If someone, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing the series? 
Yeah, if I'm going to be honest, it's really personal. Uh, so why I actually wrote it, I've always loved writing post-apocalyptic thrillers and books about technology gone wrong. But this character came to me. His name is Ryder, this government scientist. He works for DARPA. He came to me because I've seen personally my own life, my own dad, he struggled with a gambling addiction. And I've seen like my own personal financial ruin, my family's financial ruin as a result of that. So I just thought, huh. What if someone just like my dad had a position of uh, a little bit more power or I guess could potentially in that mindset at the their rock bottom of their addiction make an even bigger mistake? Because my dad, I, I mentioned in the author's note, he definitely made some mistakes financially that he shouldn't have broke the law. And Ryder broke the law too. But unfortunately, like his circumstances, his rock bottom wasn't just the rock bottom for his family or even his community, but the entire world. So I want to take my own personal experience, something that I've dealt with in my life and extrapolated onto this big scale with what I thought were the highest possible stakes. As I mentioned, you're still very young. Stephen King's first novel wasn't published until he was 27 years old. You're 18. How many novels have you written and published? I've written uh, quite a bit more than I've published. Uh, I've published a, a dozen now, but there's I, that sounds like a lot and it is a lot, but there's a big reason why I've been able to do that is because I graduated high school early and took a gap year for a year where I literally wrote full time and I work 80 hour weeks. So I just wrote 80 hours a week. So that's pretty much how I've been able to do that. If I didn't take a gap year, I would probably be at like three or four novels by now, writing around a novel to two novels a year, but I was able to bang out a lot during that gap year. And so what are your earliest memories of writing? Oh, that's an interesting question. So for me, it's interesting because I always was ashamed of the writing aspect of my life in a weird way. So I would take my journal. I called it a journal. I guess it was more like a diary. And I was maybe in like second or third grade at the time. And if I was reading a book, I was always reading a book. I would write my, what I wanted to happen in the story, what at the time I didn't know this, but it's fan fiction. So I was writing fan fiction as like a second and third grader about, for instance, like Gary Paulson's Hatchet. I love that book. So I wrote something called Lost that was very similar to him. Like it was basically copying him, but it was just me writing. It was just so natural for me to, once I read a story to go, oh, I want to write my own, but it wasn't something I was like proud of. I would do it on the weekend mornings when my family was still sleeping. And it wasn't because my family wasn't supportive. If I told my mom, oh, I just wrote, she would be totally cool with it. But there was just something about writing that felt so intimate at that young age that I didn't really dive into it until uh, much later in life. And I guess I shouldn't say like crazy later in life, but I didn't really dive into it probably until I got into high school. And that's when I really just started writing a bunch every day. But yeah, my earliest memories are me sitting on my couch in my house. I lived on Long Island at the time with my journal curled up in the corner, writing about the books that I just read. And the first novel that you publish, and, and you do self-publishing via Amazon Kindle, what prompted you to write that novel and then pursue publication? Yeah, I, I wrote the novel, I want to say it was like the first idea that I got that I was like, it was in middle school, I had the idea. And it was like the first idea I had where I'm like, this feels like my own. It wasn't like fan fiction at this point. Now it was similar. And it is it's a wide dystopian series. So it's in the vein of Hunger Games Divergent. So that stuff was big at the time. But for me, I'm super interested in uh, nanoscience and neuroscience as well. So I just wanted to see like, what could possibly happen to the future of nanotechnology and nanorobots in the brain? And what happens if a girl is thrown in the middle of this conflict as someone who is 
basically immune to this government program. And to me, that was like unique enough where I felt like, oh, this isn't fan fiction anymore. This is something like I'm super excited to write. So I started writing it, but I had zero intentions of writing a novel. I was writing short stories my whole life before then. I thought this would be another short story too. But it really just developed into a novel over time. And then after I wrote that book, I wrote the next book, didn't even think about publication. And I never did. And then after I wrote my second book, I started thinking like, I might be able to like, get these published. And that's when I discovered self-publishing. And as I discovered self-publishing, I realized I needed to make my first book a lot better before anyone else could read it out in the world. So I literally deleted every word of my first book, started over, started from scratch and rewrote it. And that book is closer to the version that's out today because I've even gone back and rewritten it a bunch of times since then. I'm a perfectionist. And yeah, it's it's now I I basically chose to publish it my own way because I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I love business. And I guess at my core, that's what I really love to do. And then when I got to figure out that I could combine my passion for storytelling with marketing and with being a business person, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really the dream. And it's hard. There's lots of ups and downs. And I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. But for me, mainly because I have that entrepreneurial spirit ingrained into me, my mom's an entrepreneur too. It was just like, we got to go for it. And, And what have you learned about writing compelling novels that keep readers turning the pages Yeah, the biggest thing is, honestly, the emotional connection to the characters within the first chapter, like you can't waste that you can have this big, exciting premise. So like I'm writing, as you mentioned, science fiction thrillers. So those tend to have some big premises, or even if you're in the rom com space, like there's some amazing romantic comedies that had the funniest premises for the start, like where like you might have this character thrown in a situation where they maybe send an illicit text, their boss, something like that, something that just you already are feeling that lighthearted air from the beginning. But If you're not connecting those characters right from the get-go, you're going to really have a tough time getting readers to keep reading and enjoying your books and feeling what you want them to feel. And what I've realized is creating like truly compelling, authentic characters that readers go, I love this person, not because they're just a copycat of another character following tropes, but because they're, they feel unique. They feel like I haven't met this person before, but I want to be around them is when you take a person, like a deep flaw within yourself or within someone close to you and ingrain it into this, like the central piece of your character. And that's what people will connect to. And I, I think I highlighted, at least in my recent series, where this big flaw came from in Ryder's life and how I was inspired to write that. And for me, it was really easy to write, really fun to write. And I should say, like, emotionally, like, it's not always easy to dive into that stuff. But like, material wise, it was easy. I knew who this character was going into it. And I was super connected to the character. And as a result, I think that is translated to the readers, the reader end of it, it certainly made it a lot easier. And that that would be my big advice just to, to put something of your life into the character. And when you put in that main character, if you got two main characters, and you're super connected to them, and it's not easy to be vulnerable on the pages. And I'm not saying be personally vulnerable and let the reader know it's you. I did that by the end of the book. But if you just do that, no one will know it's about your life. No one will know how connected you are to this character, but they'll feel it. And that feeling will get them to keep reading and keep turning the pages because as much plot in there, as much action goes on, not that people don't care about it, but they only care about what happens to the characters. You have to make them care about the characters first. And that's like my biggest piece of advice. Everything else behind that is secondary, still important, but like, that nailing that one piece is less like the by far the most important thing in writing a novel or a short story or anything. And what lessons have you learned about self-publishing? Yeah, so th- this is I've learned a lot, a lot. I guess my first thing I'll caution everyone against is when I first got into it, I've used more of a 
they call themselves hybrid, but I think we all know, or not we all, but a lot of us know to stay away from them. People who don't know, like if a company ever offers to bundle editing, cover design and all this stuff into one, it sounds really nice. And at the time I was like 15 years old. So I was like, this is easy. I don't need to really think about it much. So I saved up for my summer job and spent all my money on that. And in retrospect, that wasn't the best investment. So I just learned that like, you you want to do you want to take the groundwork from the beginning and read a lot figure out where the industry is and as much as you should go out of pocket to pay for editing and cover design i definitely paid a little bit too much for my first book which is okay i learned my lesson hopefully i paid for it hopefully someone listening avoids that mistake but the biggest thing i've learned about self publishing is that it's a really long term game most self published authors think in the short term they think in I'll call it the KU page, KU page read cycles. They're just so caught up on their royalties for the next month or quitting their job next year. And I understand that they're making short-term decisions that sacrifice the long-term equity of their brand. And I think that's a big mistake. If you're writing to trend, I think that's fine. But what's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply in creating long-term IP that has real value for the other big players like Hollywood or video games or even like leveraging TradPub in foreign markets, if that's what you're going for, writing to trend isn't going to interest any of these people. It'll maybe make you some money for six months. So that's one thing I caution against. Another thing I caution against is pricing. Price where price competitively, and if anything, price higher because you don't want to start pricing low. And again, like building the whole brand thing like you it's a slow grind but you need to just realize that you can't make a living at this tomorrow and then another big thing too that i've learned is that as much as an emphasis that there is on advertising right now in this in the self-publishing ecosystem and at points it's a necessary i won't call it evil because i think it is a great tool advertising isn't going to build a career for the long run. It it just won't. You have to have great characters and connections with your readers. It all goes back to the brand. Stephen King doesn't really need to advertise his books much because, well, he's Stephen King. So how do you become that? How do you become Stephen King in your own respective subgenre? 
or multiple subgenres if you're going after it. And it all just goes back to Stephen King never cared about really, of course, he cared about his royalty check and Carrie did really well from the beginning. So he, he's a little bit of an outlier in some cases, but you have to take that mindset of, I don't think Stephen King ever wrote a book thinking and worrying about how much money he was going to make. It doesn't feel that way to a reader. And as an author, you have to realize this is a long-term game. You have to be prepared for five or 10 years of just grind, putting your head on that grindstone and writing hundreds of thousands, if not millions of words and putting them out there and just getting better and better over time and just never looking at that carrot that can hang in front of you and chasing after it. Because most of the times when you do that, you sacrifice the long-term brand equity and you sacrifice really your standing in the eyes of readers. And I think that's really important. It's something that a lot of people don't talk about in the self-publishing space. And the biggest thing that I would caution people who are in it or people thinking about getting in it, it's not just this easy way to make money. I think it's just as hard as trad publishing. And it's the reward in the long run is bigger because you get to own all of your brand but it's you're basically becoming the trad publisher so if that doesn't interest people which i don't blame them like it's really tough for me and i'm like an entrepreneurial type person who loves this kind of stuff and then self-publishing also isn't for everyone too and that's something i learned along the way because in the beginning i had the mindset why would anyone go trad pub like why would anyone do that when you could just do this but now i get it now i'm like you know what uh, trad pub makes a ton of sense and even for me I'm a self-published author, but I am looking to and will certainly, as my career progresses, leverage uh, hybrid publishing and like in terms of getting some of my IP in certain markets and even certain product lines through Trata. I'd love to do that because they can leverage existing markets and build your brand in other ways that just indie authors can't. So another thing I've realized too since getting into it is the limitations of it. Indie publishing is great, but you cannot do everything by yourself. You just can't. And that's okay. I think if you want to build a really big brand in this industry and really become those authors at the front of the bookstores. You just have to realize it takes years to get there. And whether you start in indie, start in trad, wherever your path starts, that's my biggest thing. Think long-term and think bigger than the players around you because a lot of people are worried about how they can make $5,000 next month. But if you think about how you can make $50,000 10 years from now each month, that's how you win. And it just, again, it takes patience and it does take a lot of planning and sacrifice. And I've definitely sacrificed a lot to get to where I am. And I'm far from where I want to be, but that's kind of part of the fun. Can you talk about your boundless mindset that has informed your writing and your approach to self-publishing? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I guess a lot of that energy may have came out in my last response, but I, I've always been the kind of person who, when I had a goal, wouldn't let anything stop me from getting it. It just was like, this is what I got to do. but. I started to really realize that like I can hone in on this mindset and kind of optimize this and also then share it with other people. So I call that the boundless mindset. When I say share it with other people, talk about it on a podcast, I'm not the guy or I don't think I ever will be a guy who peddles mindset courses. Nothing wrong with that. Just not my vertical, not what I'm passionate about, but I'm happy to share it on a podcast like this. And what this mindset is for me is the goal of the balanced mindset is to remove the internal barriers keeping you from living your best life and removing, joining with the people around you to remove the external barriers. It's why my uh, motto is together we are boundless because at the end of the day, a lot of us as writers, there's a lot of fear that goes into the whole writing process. And my biggest thing to people would just be to like, try and take out all that fear, the fear around writing, the fear around publishing, the fear around marketing, all that. Take out the fear internally and just know that you can do this. There's people from all walks of life, from all over the world, who've made a living at this, who live amazing lives and are just really happy doing what they love. So no matter who you are, you can do this. You might not be at the level to be able to do it today. 
I, that would be really cool if you are. I know I couldn't just jump into this with the knowledge and skill immediately. I had to learn a lot and still am learning, not there yet. But the other big thing to realize too is you can't do this alone. You know what I mean? In the sense, and I, I referenced that earlier, but like the external barriers around you are different for every person, but I'll take it to my, my individual self. If I just started writing in the dark in the corner and didn't tell anyone around, didn't try and garner any support from anyone around me, it would have been really tough. And I know a lot of us don't necessarily have great support systems like all the time. And like I had my mom, my single mom, she's the best in the world. And I told her to pursue this dream. I need to be able to take a gap year and take a year off from school and just go all out in this. And I, it was a sacrifice I took, a risk I took. And that whole boundless mind going, I'm going to tear the barriers in front of me down and just go for my goal is what I had. And I didn't fear the downside risk to it because I knew the upside risk is what would make me happy. And also, most importantly, waking up and doing what you love every day is pretty awesome. So I would, to anyone out there, the biggest problem for writers is not having enough time and capital to pursue this. And it takes a honestly a privilege to be able to do that. And I'm lucky that I've been able to being a kid for when I was doing this, I was able to have food provided for me by my mom. Super, super lucky for that. But and I know a lot of people, most people probably listening aren't necessarily in that position. So if you can't leverage like a strength in that way, my biggest thing would be the barriers to being able to write or as long as you could put a food, food on your table, roof over your head and keep your family safe. That's what you need to do. And then you can, so I would figure out like, what can you do? How can you change your lifestyle to maximize the capital you have? And then also maximize the time you have to dive into writing that will require sacrifice that will require almost always some sort of communication support with the people around you. But I think if and when you choose to go all in and going all in does not mean quitting your day job tomorrow. It does not. It means being strategic about how you're going to pursue this career for the long run. But once you do that, I think that's how you become truly living boundlessly. And it's what I've done. And I've made more progress in the last, I'll call it year than I made in like my entire life beforehand. And I think that when you do that, it, it's just the best. It's the best feeling. My situation is a little bit unique and I can only speak to my situation, but I think my mindset will and can apply to other people's lives. And I, I hope that helps people out there. So if you sit down and the words aren't flowing, do you have any tips or tricks for yourself to jumpstart? Yeah, there's a few. My, my biggest one is remove yourself from the story for a little bit. I think we, as writers, we get very caught up in a word count in a day, or at least I know I used to do this, where it's, I've got two hours today, I'm going to bang out 2,000 words. That's the goal. That's the goal. And then when you hit a slump for 15 minutes, you go, oh, what am I supposed to do? Like, now I only have an hour and a half now, and I still have another maybe 17, 1,800 words I wanted to write. I'm behind. And then you get to this cycle. And I think the biggest thing is just take numbers out of it on your writing goal every day. I wouldn't focus on a word count when you write every day and allow yourself the freedom to go. And this is my writing time and things aren't flowing. Let me get up and go for a walk. Let me go for a bike ride. Or I personally like going for runs. Take your mind away from the situation in only 30 minutes and come back. A lot of times I'll be rejuvenated. Another big thing when I'm not feeling it with writing too, like sometimes you just need to realize like that your words might not come out the way you want it the first time. You might just have to push through it. It might be really weird. You might need to skip over an entire plot point, but just keep going. You can make notes and always go back and edit later. I find it funny. A lot of authors will like be like, oh, I'm stuck on this chapter, but I know what happens after it. It's like, what happens after it first? You don't need to write. There's no rule about writing chapter one, two, and three. You can write chapter one, then chapter three, then chapter seven, then go back and write chapter two. That can get confusing, mind you. But if that's what's best for your productivity and what's best for your storytelling in that moment, then that'll be perfect. As long as the readers see it, chapter one, two, three, four, when the time comes, then it's all good. And then my 
other big tip is to this. And a lot of people have said this. So I don't need to like totally hammer home on this because uh, I think there's two camps of writers and I fall firmly into the latter, which is I love plotting. I think that also helps mitigate a lot of when the words aren't flowing because I usually have a good idea of where my stories are headed. And I think that really helps. That's another reason why I've been able to write as many books as I have at this stage because I literally plot my series out years ahead of time. Like I'm working on plotting out series like that I won't get to for years now. I just have stuff sitting in the bank and knowing that, yeah, this is whenever I get an idea and I'm inspired, I plot things out and I really research all the time. And I'd recommend writers do that too. Like just really plan out your first idea before you get into it. That was actually a big part of the reason why I had to go back and totally rewrite my first book. I learned after that, I need to really do some serious research before I go in and write a full length novel, never mind a series. So that'd be my advice on trying to mitigate just when the word, the flow isn't right or the dreaded writer's block that I think we all face at one point or another to varying degrees of severity. So what novels have you read recently that you enjoyed? This is a good question. So I'd say one of my favorite ones, and this is by an indie author, is Edge of Collapse by Kyla Stone. It's definitely very good. It's in the post-apocalyptic niche, which might make sense why I'd want to read them. And it's great. It's about basically someone's, a woman is freed from her cell because she was held uh, captive by a kidnapper for years uh, when the apocalypse uh, starts because of the EMP lets off the electricity holding her in. So it's that setup alone is really intriguing. I, I never spoil things in books, so I won't go any further than that, but just know it's it's a good one. And I also really liked, so I don't know if anyone watched, I'm sure some people out there watch uh, Outer Banks. So I, I've been into like the creator of it or one of the creators of it is Shannon Burke. And I didn't know he was like an author beforehand, but he is. And I read Into the Savage Country by him. Beautiful novel. It was just like, like the words flowed in a way where like you could just digest them. It tasted like, tasted like you're like a fine, like piece of just chocolate, like dark, delicate chocolate that was made in like Belgium. I don't know. It was really good. And I think he's a beautiful writer. So I really enjoyed that book as well. Into the Savage Country by Shannon Burke. Those would be my top two of late. And where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? Yeah, basically my website has it all. It's mevansinc.com. I could spell it out because it's it's a little, it's funky is my idea of funky. It's M-E-V-A-N-S-I-N-K-E-D. MichaelEvans.com was taken and I figured inked, you know, feels like writer-ish. So I've had that domain for a while. And on there you can find uh, pretty much everything. My books, newsletter, if you want to stay up with me on social media, I'm even doing YouTube as well. People are interested in just seeing me vlog my life. I, I do a lot of different things. So that's like my home on the internet. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Michael Evans, author of The Trouble World and many other novels. Go check out his novels today. Michael also hosts the podcast Young Eager Writers. So check that out as well. And Michael, thanks for doing this interview. Of course. Really happy to be on. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.